0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. We are going to be kicking off season three today, uh, our leadership series with a very special guest. I have Bo Bravo with me today.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thanks, Jason, for having me.
0: Yeah, it's excellent to have you. And we're going to be diving into leadership. And so I would like for you to introduce yourself, how you'd like to be introduced. And then we can we can certainly start diving into everyone's favorite topic.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, for everybody listening, my name is Bo Bravo. Um, Bo is actually a nickname. My real name is Robert, but it's something that has stuck with me since I was a kid. So if if people call me Robert, you know, I don't necessarily turn around or answer. Um, but anyways, I have a, a long career in leadership and in human resources, and it's a topic that I'm very passionate about, uh, because I, I was one that was a benefactor of decades of formal leadership development, uh, Trained, tested, put in the, you know, had the opportunity to work in the leadership roles and, and have numerous coaches and mentors above me who have, who have been there and done that. And I'm just at a stage today where I'm giving it all back. Uh, I've, I've, I've witnessed out in in the in the big civilian corporate world uh, with most people working in small businesses, you know, leadership development budgets just aren't grand. It's not a thing that most companies can can support um, for a long-term type of endeavor. So people listening to this, people who read books, people who are trying to do better every day in their own careers and develop themselves, uh, that's what I'm out to do is to help them in that journey. And that's why I'm here today with Jason on the podcast, because it's, it's a topic that every Every opportunity that I get to speak about, I take it. So I, I'm thoroughly excited to be here, Jason, with you and all of your listeners to kick off season three.
0: Love it. I appreciate that. That's quite an introduction, Bo. And I'd love to kind of start by what brought you into this world. You know, we, yeah. you and I kind of chatted before this episode about the fact that you've, you've been in the military, you've been in mm-hmm. government, and you've been doing some work on your own now. But what started this journey for you in the first place yeah
1: so you know my journey started literally Uh, it's really kind of hard to believe when I look back on it when I was 17 years old and I enlisted in the Michigan Army National Guard. uh, It was the most popular event at the career day in our high school at the time uh, to go to the recruiter's session and talk about the military and hear about the military. And they had this program where you could enlist in the National Guard and go to boot camp uh, right after 11th grade. So literally in the summer between 11th and 12th grade, that's what I did. I went to boot camp and then I I went went back to high school, um, did my one weekend a month during my senior year, then went off to my advanced skills training and then to college. So it was an opportunity to uh, to join the military and. I give all the credit to the Army that I can for discipline and uh, learning about values and commitment and what it takes to, to truly go through, you know, arduous environments and come out successful at the end. And, you know, that was, that was early on. That was 34 years ago. And it was literally, I went in as a personnel administration specialist. And today, personnel is human resources. And I had been in human resources uh, my entire life. But eventually, that led me to active duty. And uh, while I was on active duty, you know, Jason, I've always been somebody, for the most part, that will uh, say yes to an opportunity. Like I think about things, I don't close the door, I don't take like, you know, I don't react to something immediately to say no, you know, it doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. I try to get details and so forth. And I've said yes to a lot of things. And I think that that has propelled me um, to where I'm at today, which also took me to the White House, I spent 10 years total, Serving uh, serving both Presidents Bush and President Obama, um, and that was from a network connection to a to somebody that had recruited me for a special assignment. That all all the individual said was, "Do you want to jump out of airplanes?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, sounds great." Um, yeah, no big deal, <laughs> no big deal. Uh, but literally, I, I kid you not, it sounds silly, but that was the conversation, um, and and it was that individual uh, that that was critical. Uh, later on, to getting me to uh, the White House, so opportunity knocked. I said yes. I took it, uh, and eventually it led me led me to the White House. I was the chief of HR operations, uh, and then as I qualified separately as a presidential communications officer. So I led teams for communication teams for both Bush and Obama um, for about a little over seven years total. And then I retired, joined corporate America uh, as a as an HR executive. And then ended up going out on my out on my own, which has been for about a year now. Um, giving back, webinars, e-learning, speaking, writing, coaching, business consulting, whatever I you know whatever whatever fits into that mold of being able to give back to others who are looking to grow and develop and in the whole professional development arena is where I'm at today.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you have someone having such a resume that can come on this show that you can really just feel the passion that you have for mm-hmm. these kind of topics. So I'm excited to kind of dive in. So yeah. we have your experience with the National Guard that fed into the army where you uh, met your mentor that helped you transition into the White House and then into corporate mm-hmm. America. So coming from a civilian mentality where you either have a very pop culture movie kind of frame of reference for the army, or you kind of see, you know, you kind of have maybe you've, you've met, uh, in here in Colorado mm-hmm. where I live you know, they kind of, they kind of run in packs. Yeah. So, but you kind of get a, a caricature of that, but you have mm-hmm. a very positive experience with the, the army. And I'd yeah. love to hear about what the army did for you personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I appreciate the question very much. And and I would agree with you, you know, when you, when you look at when you look at the military as an as a it's hard to really see it as an entire organization because if you live around military bases like you do in colorado springs and so forth that um you you do just kind of see pockets or or packs as you call them of of soldiers or whatever walking around or they're hanging out together uh whatever the case might be um but the army when you're there long enough as an organization, it is number one, it's going, oh man, 250 year old organization, uh, the largest employer, Department of Defense, largest employer, uh, in the United States from soldiers, civilians and so forth. Uh, and there are, there are, my gosh, systems, we'll say systems in place that, um, they live and breathe, they change. But when we talk about like building teams and how do you build high performing teams and how do you how do you execute your day? um, You know, you got to get away from the mentality of, well, you know, you're bringing a battlefield or a combat leadership type of mentality to corporate America. And really, that's not it. It's all about it's all about helping people create the systems, execute against the systems, lead within those systems or processes uh, and and truly take care of your people in a very genuine and authentic way. So from the military perspective, uh, example from, for leadership. Which I talk a lot about, and I think sometimes it's a little foreign in the civilian world because we we get worried about uh, going out of bounds or or potentially um, um, saying the wrong things and so forth. But you know, when when you have somebody uh, in your stead and you're responsible for them and you're their leader, it doesn't include just them. And it's them, it's their families, and and especially when you get into I had several experiences when you're in an overseas environment and you're living in a foreign country, you're truly taken care of uh the soldier, the soldier's spouse if there's a spouse, their children if they have children. I mean, you are you know the whole person uh that you're responsible for leading. And not just one of them, but everybody that you're leading. Uh and you get it, you get to the you get to the point where you um you solidify your leadership ability to number one, not play favorites. Number two, you do recognize that everybody is diff everybody is different in some way, shape or form. They all get the same uh leadership from you but when you really start to get to know somebody in the whole person you you develop you develop the ways and how to get the best performance out of that person and it's not a it's not a one size fits all solution necessarily you know in our in our pre show uh you and I talked about um you know some of the people that come into the military you know i was 17 when i went to boot camp but you know i i remember prepping to go to Iraq to combat. I had 18 year old kids. They were kids. You know, I was in my mid thirties. They were 18 years old and barely, you know, they'd never been away from home before. And they go to boot camp, advanced training. Now they're sitting in Germany and you're prepping to go to war. And wow. Yeah. And imagine the, the pressure and, and the fear and and everything else that might be on that individual. And, you know, from a leadership perspective, you do everything you can. And for those kids, we'll call them. You know, sometimes what pumped them up or helped them was, you know, calling them into the office and you have mom or dad on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, for them to talk to. <laughs> And you, know, you just have to know those things about your about your people and what might help them. Uh, but that might not apply to the to the 30 year old who you know, has a spouse and children and they're going to leave them sitting in a foreign country while they go to fight combat in Iraq. That's uh, a different approach. Um, those are all the types of things that I took with me into the corporate world. And that I try to help and teach others that, you know, it takes some, when I say genuine care and concern, it's you got to look at the whole person. I want to know all about Jason, not just Jason from nine to five, because yeah. um, I want you to be the best that that you can be, be the best uh, contributor to the team as a whole. And how I go about doing that as your leader, what I provide for you and the motivation and influence might be different than I would apply to the next person sitting to your right who's on your team as well.
0: And it's interesting that that when you think about the military, we always say, thank you for your service, which, by the way, Bo, thank you for your service. Um, And you kind of describe a very servant leader mentality where the scope is not just on I need to get this thing done, but I as a leader and taking care of these people and not just of the people who are under me, but their families and kids and Mm -hmm. having this broader scope. At what point did you start to kind of see leadership in this different way? Was that something that you brought with you mm, to the military? No.
1: Uh, no I surely didn't bring that with me um, that's why I uh, today looking back of course I didn't I didn't I didn't feel it then and I'm very thankful now that um, I was able I joined at a very at a very early age young age mm-hmm. um, but no it wasn't until I started participating and got to a certain point and I was participating myself and being developed as a leader and going to the different leadership development um, it's a very um, there's a there's a solidified uh, path if you are if you are rising up the ranks, if you will, and there are courses that you have to attend and you have to pass the training and uh, and then you're sent back to your organization and and you're you're tested, if you will. I mean, it's now it's real in your organization and you have um, I think the best part about it. You go through all this training, this leadership, formal leadership development training, and it's weeks on end. And it's, and it's, it's a continuous type of thing. It's not just once. And that's the only course you get, uh, as you go through your career, uh, you're going to a formal, formal training every two to three years or so. And you go back to your organization. And the neat thing is you have people in your organization who are higher up in the chain than you, and they've been through all that training as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you have built-in, you literally have built-in mentors who've been through it. And now you go back and you're, now you'd want to apply all that you've just learned. And they're there to help you along the way because um, they've been there, done that. They know what you just went through firsthand. And and they give you all the opportunity to, uh, to learn more from them uh, as you go through your own development. Uh, so no, I didn't learn it. I didn't take it with me. It's all learned for sure.
0: So, Bo, as you kind of outlined the fact that you had not only a very kind of structured regimen, but you had all these mentors to look up to. Mm -hmm. When most people think of mentorship, especially leadership mentorship, they think of like one person, right? A very Mr. Miyagi Danielson kind of environment. But the impression I'm getting is that you had multiple people along your way. Can you kind of talk about what that experience was like having multiple different points of view or if you experienced the contrary, if you had one mentor that really...
1: No, I had multiple mentors. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely some stood out more than, more than others. Uh, and I can point to a couple that were just like amazing. Like when you think about, uh, you know, who are like the best leaders, uh, that you've worked with or so forth. I definitely have a couple of those, uh, but there, there's multiple ones along the journey. And I think the one thing that when you, when you have a career in the military and it lasts for, you know, if you're a career, we call a career soldier 20 years or more, uh, you've changed, you've changed duty locations or assignments multiple times. It's like changing. It really is. Even though you're in the same organization, it's like changing jobs every, every few years. It'd be like, you know, getting, leaving the company you're with and going to a new company. Uh, that's, that's what the military, that's exactly what it's like. So even though, even though you're still, you're still in the same organization, technically at the high level, uh, you're in a different organization every few years and so forth. So you, you, you definitely it's building new teams, it's new people. You're in charge of new people. You have new leaders in charge of you, if you will. So you learn from numerous numerous leaders along that journey. So it's really it's countless for me. You know, over twenty six plus years, the number of leaders who had an impact in some way, shape, or form on my on my leadership development is really it's really countless. I, I couldn't count them all. Um, Some were profound. Um, Some are profound. I mean, the army's not immune to bad leadership (laughs) in any way, shape, right? So some are are the ones you learn from. There's, you know, I used to tell my daughter who also joined the army, um, you can learn from bad leadership as almost as much as you can learn from good leadership. And you have to take those lessons learned with you uh, as you go forth in life.
0: Yeah, I think one of my favorite examples when working with clients or internal clients that are new leaders saying, oh, well, I don't have any experience you ever had a boss before you've you've had experience right and you're right we do learn from the negative and sometimes those things stick out more more to us Mm -hmm. than the positive ones but you have a very very positive regard and you even mentioned earlier that one of these mentors helped your transition Mm -hmm. from the military a good career at the military which would be satisfying on its own to the white house which Mm -hmm. i mean wow I yeah. would have been like, I got to get a new suit. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, exactly, that's
1: exactly what I had to do because it was suit and tie every day um, versus military uniform. And and yeah, so I I had I had leadership, uh, and within the military, you start building, you build a network just like we do in the corporate world and uh you have your network of individuals and eventually there are it's a fascinating place there are all types of different different assignments that you could potentially be part of uh that requires you to be you know to have a network and to be able to to intermingle within that and 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 take advantage of it when you can and that's what happened to me so it was a uh, we were working together in this organization this person went to the white house and uh It wasn't, it wasn't within six months after uh, he had arrived there that he called, called me and said, Hey, you ready for a once in a lifetime opportunity? And he's like, I want you to come work with me here. And then I went through the whole process and, and eventually it was interesting because uh, that's how it started. And then I, I, I got the role. I went to the white house. I was there for two and a half years. And then I ended up going to warrant officer candidate school and becoming a warrant officer. And that took me to Germany and to Iraq. And I was in Germany for uh, three years and I actually interviewed and went back and replaced that boss, that gentleman. Wow. So, yeah. So I I had followed him in a couple of assignments, a couple different times. And yeah, I went back and I I replaced him. He retired and I I interviewed for and was a,
0: selected for that role. And, and that was all she wrote. So a huge passing of the torch. Yeah. From a mentor to you. And when you started stepping up into that role, did you already have a fully kind of fledged idea of leadership that you're bringing to the table or was there there's just something about, Bo we got to get him in here because you stayed
1: there for some time. I did. I stayed there the last time for seven for seven and a half years and I even I was ready for the role. Um, I, for sure, after coming out of Germany, uh, when I went to Germany, it was, it was like, uh, what's the best way. It was like the gauntlet, you know, you're, there was, um, man, I had like 13 direct reports. We had an organization of like 70 people under those 70, 75 people under those individuals under those direct reports. And we're prepping to, to deploy and go to, to Iraq. Uh, so there was a ton of pressure and anxiety and stress and so forth. And that is where leadership for me really became, uh, super number one, incredibly important, uh, to, for to display and demonstrate super good leadership uh because of what you're about to go through i mean it was like it's crisis for crisis leadership for a very long period of time and um with the risk you know i don't you know i don't ever harp on it but with the risk truly being potential life or death and you have to get there's just a lot to that and having done that and then going back going to the white house for the last to take over from my previous boss um i was i think i was super prepped and ready for that environment. Uh, doesn't mean I didn't. I, I certainly kept learning along the way, because um, it's just as eh, it's just as stressful when they say, "Okay, now you're in charge, and you're gonna." You've been even though they t- you go through the training, but now it's time to lead your first team mm-hmm. uh, for the president. That's a that's a that's a whole
0: new level. It's a pretty pretty high charge as well. Yeah. So. How would you describe your specific leadership style that you've crafted over yeah. the many of these experiences you just told us about?
1: You you said it earlier. I have a true servant leadership style, um, one hundred percent. In that, uh, my role, my role in taking care of others is to make sure and, and to influence them and to motivate them and to get them, uh, inspire them to do the role and to perform the mission. Uh, is is to take care of them and ensure that they have. Number one, they have, can have trust and confidence in me. And, and how do you do that? It's making sure, you know, Number 1, you're transparent. You build rapport. You you don't keep things from them. You you tell them you tell them the truth 100% of the time and even if you don't know or don't have information, you tell them you don't have information and you go get the information and you share it as soon as you have it. And you communicate openly, regularly, and most importantly, you listen. Uh, cuz people regardless of their their status or their their rank or where they are in the or- organizational chart hierarchy. Everybody has an opinion and they have ideas and creating an environment for them to share their ideas can often lead to, um, the best solutions, uh, possible. And, uh, it's, it's where, oh, (laughs) The uh, the requirement to uh, one of the big things is to empower your people and to when you when you are leading teams for the president and there's so much to be done and so little time to do it, uh, you have no choice uh, but to make sure that your teams are prepared, they're trained, they're ready, they have the resources they need. But then when it's time to execute, you let them execute, and it's the trust but verify. You check in with them on a regular basis, make sure everything's going smoothly, and if it's not, fix it. Uh, but it's truly giving them the power to do the role, perform the role that they were hired to do. And it really, it really builds trust and confidence, no micromanagement. um, And there's a difference between micromanagement and making sure that you have checklists and processes and systems in place to execute against. Uh, But that's, that's the type of things that, that I learned, that I executed, that I did, um, all in service to, to the team.
0: Yeah. So the ability to execute, the ability to empower And that ability to tell the truth all the time, which I think in the last 10 years has been a a, a lot more popular Mm -hmm. uh, rather than, oh, there's certain things you don't talk about at work and certain things you don't discuss. But now the ability to be vulnerable, to admit when you don't know something, to admit when there's something you can't talk about, Mm -hmm. that seems to be something that has been taken on a little bit more recently. Yeah. What are your thoughts on
1: that? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's, uh, I think it is super, I just think it's super important. Uh I experienced that, uh, you know, even though you might think of the military as a very directive type of leadership, you know, where mm-hmm. you're you're being given orders and you're told what to do. Yes, orders come down and there's things that y- you know, you have to execute and you have to do these things because this is what this is what your organization's mission is. Uh, these are the types of things that you do and yes, you do get orders, but then when it comes to the team that's executing, you know, that it's still a team and there's still servant leadership taking place and people can still share ideas sometimes it's dependent on the what has to be done or the task at hand sometimes it's like hey just go do it because we have to do it um but if when it when you get in those organizations uh like white house communications and there's um very complex tasks that have to be completed uh you 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 have to have an open open dialogue open environment things have to be yeah
0: I, I get a sense for that, that sometimes it's okay. Hey, there's just things you have to do because there's things you have to do as an adult. You got to pay bills and everyone loves doing that, right? Yeah, you have exactly. to eat healthy when <laughs> pizza obviously tastes better. Yeah. So there are going to be those aspects. But I think one of the glaring things is that many people would ask, oh, what's it What's it like being an HR leader at the White House? Are you busting people for dress code and showing up yeah. to late work? Or no. is it uh, <laughs> a lot more complicated than that?
1: Yeah, no, it's... um. Yeah. Did you have some people that, that did the wrong thing and, um, ended up getting booted? Sure. Um, a lot of those are just dumb mistakes that people make not purposeful, Uh, but, uh, no HR at the running HR operations, uh, for the the White House. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you think about you're going into an organization, uh, everybody was recruited specifically. Uh, They went through an arduous hiring process, if you will, to even get into the organization. So you're, you have this collective group of high performers already. They've already demonstrated from their military background that they're very high performers. They're the best of the best. And now you bring them all together. They're already dealing with a very high caliber of individual and In that sense, uh, they all expect that out of you all the time. Uh, so in even delivering HR services, uh, you can't, I mean, it's, it's, it's expected that it's, that you're doing the best that you can for them, uh, all the time with no, you know, you don't let your foot off the pedal ever. Uh, I guess that's the best way to try and explain that environment. Um, yeah, it's different, but you know, you're just realizing that you're, you're working with some pretty, pretty spectacular individuals.
0: So you're working with very high caliber talent that's been specifically procured. Mm -hmm. So where does your leadership come into play if, especially in something like the White House, where I would imagine there's always something going on and you have a very uh, prestigious boss, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that is always on camera. Where does leadership fit in when you have a bunch of high potentials that are just able to rock and roll? All by themselves.
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that? Everybody's, it makes everybody, um, it's kind of like you ever heard the statement, um, if everything's a priority, nothing is a priority, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have everybody who's at this high caliber level, it's almost like you just leveled the playing field. Literally. So everybody's, everybody's, um, it's almost like you start over because everybody's the same. And from that point, there are so many pieces, uh, pieces of the puzzle that have to get, that have to go together in order to make a presidential event successful from a communication standpoint. The leadership comes into play where you're putting all those pieces together. So if I'm traveling with a team of say 15 people, those might, that might encompass like five, three person teams. All right, within that group of fifteen, and then i've i've got the I've got all fifteen, so it's making sure and you've got about seven days to get yourself ready and be ready to go before the president arrives. Uh, so it's making sure that all the teams are executing according to what they have to accomplish because all those pieces are going to come together on the last day when the president arrives for in order to have a successful event with with no errors, no defects um and so forth and and keeping everybody on track and aligned. To make sure that that everything goes off without a hitch is where the challenge comes in from a leadership perspective, Do if that makes ex- sense.
0: It, it does make sense. I, I mean, if you think about it in terms of a, a regular corporation where you're an individual contributor, you have a lot of subject matter expertise. As you become a leader, you kind of have that one-on-one direct communication. But as you get higher in the ranks, you're supporting teams to be fully functional. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so, was there a difference in the the style of leadership that showed up or how you actually were supporting people to help teams grow rather than just an individual person or just another fellow leader?
1: I don't think so. I just think it becomes more more profound, I think, and it's and it's more uh ever present because uh because it's the environment where literally you just literally i mean it's like saying you don't have a break um because it's it's real world every day uh and it's real world uh you know at the highest level of our of our government Mm -hmm. and uh so it just becomes more more profound more relevant
0: and and uh and a hundred percent go all the time so that kind of brings us to today and what you're mm-hmm. working on. You've taken all this knowledge, very, very, um, high risk jobs, whether it's, uh, whether it's with people's lives, as we talked about in the military, mm-hmm. or it's on a very visible, the highest level of government at the white house. And now that yeah. kind of brings us to today. What have you taken away from the culmination, of all those experiences? And I'd love to hear about yeah, what you got so, going on.
1: Um, so today, uh, through my company, we um, we do professional development, leadership development. We launched our e-learning platform on one January of this year, all in an effort to build leadership abilities and human resources professionals, regardless of what they're dealing with, of the topic or within, uh, I don't care if it's employee relations, benefits, payroll, um, organizational culture, whatever it is that, the, that you're dealing with, onboarding, recruiting, staffing. Um, on on actually leading those efforts and not just being a task, uh, you know, Taskmaster and administrative uh, of course there are administrative burdens burdens on Hr um, but being a real player in your organization between leadership and business acumen so that you can solve for uh, today's business challenges and where i take where I take everything that we've been talking about, Jason and mm-hmm. for people listening, you know when you think about the correlation or between uh, an organization like the White House and a business entity, um, you know businesses have to make money uh, to survive so to the business owner uh, or the board, whatever, however that structure is for the company, um, they don't want to take their foot off the pedal either, right? They have to, they have to keep selling. They, whether it's services or products, they have to keep doing that, and that because that's why they're in business in the first place. Um, whether it's to accomplish a mission or they have a vision, uh, but they have to have revenue. They have to have, you know, they have to have sales, and the marketing goes out there companies have to, for them to exist, they have to keep doing what they need to do to put their products and services on the market and to sell them. And and I think from a business leader perspective, uh, yeah, they got to keep their foot on the pedal. So you have to have that um, the more people I can talk to and help to help them build their teams and bring this to bring this type of, uh, team building or high performance, what I call values based leadership to the forefront, um, is what I love to do today and, and give it all back. Uh, you know, and that includes, you know, helping people build, build the processes, build the systems, you know, not everybody can go a hundred miles an hour all the time. So you have to have plans on how you, how you rotate that. How do you get somebody to take a vacation or take a day off so they can refresh and relax and come back re-energized, you know, that all comes with planning, proper planning, proper execution, uh, and so forth. Uh, there's lots to it. We could probably talk about that forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course we can't talk about it forever. And I really appreciate the little time, but let's just clarify one thing, because mm-hmm. a lot of your content really excites me. And I'm curious that if we have leaders, you know, they'd be hearing things like don't micromanage and they probably mm-hmm. go, yeah, I, I know that. But what is it that you're hoping for them to get out of engaging with your course or yeah. engaging with your consultation services? So what I what I hope
1: for them to get on a on a grand scale is or even if we get particular everybody shows up to work i don't care if you're in the military wherever we're human beings everybody shows up to work and behaves in a certain way and and it's behaviors that are either going to be Aligned with your company values or not aligned with your company values. So I th- I think it truly starts. Uh, and then this is this is truly this is truly the the military in a nutshell. Um, you if you don't have them, we got to we got to build them. If you do have them and I'm talking about core values for your company, you have to define what they are. You have to you have to pull out the behaviors that you expect from your people based upon your professional and your company core values. And every company's different. So when we talk about. Or if you're in a company and you're struggling to find the best fit and you have high turnover in your organization, why is that from a leadership perspective? Well, if you're not defining the truly, the true behaviors you need to see out of your people that are aligned with your core values, then you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle to find the right people. So it's taking all of that, putting it into your interview process, your hiring process, your job descriptions, your performance management, how, and you're, you're communicating it across the board all the time. Um, can't just be words on a wall. Can't be words on a website. Uh, you have to take your, you have to take your core values and define them and, in and, in, in using action words, verbs, um, and, and put it into performance management and what you expect. And you have to educate all of your leaders and it has to be from top to bottom. Um, or, or you're going to struggle building high performing teams, uh, cause it's all about, it's all about behaviors and behaviors are performance and how we show up every day and what we, how we act anyway
0: well said values-based
1: leadership values-based leadership
0: so bo as someone who's had their pedal on the gas for a long time one of our common questions we ask on the show is how do you take care of yourself these days post Uh, in a post-pandemic mid-pandemic i think the dial keeps changing how do you take care of yourself (laughs) Yeah. uh, We talked
1: about earlier exercise is exercise is a priority. I believe 100% uh, that uh, your physical fitness leads to mental fitness. So being physically physically fit, mentally strong, they're connected 100%. And of course, eating right as much as you can. Um, I say majority of the time, I think we all like we all like to, to, you know, go off track now and then and enjoy certain foods and so forth. But You got to have some balance there Um, and you have to you have to connect with people and you have to even in even in the pandemic world, if you're not out and about, whether it's phone calls, text messages, getting on getting on videos, sessions like uh, Zoom or Google Hangouts or something like that, uh, you got to do it. You got to have that. You got to have some social interaction. Um, Yeah, that's it. Fitness, eating, social interaction with people, talking—you got, you just gotta stay. You gotta, you gotta stay out there. The essentials for Bo. The essentials. That's it. Nice.
0: Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people find out more about you? Learn about your e-course. Learn about the work that you're doing. Yeah. So
1: the best place is through the website, which is robertbrabo.com. Uh, Links to our e-courses, to our podcast, to the book. Uh, It's all there on the website. How to get in touch with me is on the website. Uh, It's probably the easiest way for people to, to find out more.
0: Yeah, so we'll have links to a lot of the things that we talked about today, including all of Bo's content in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us just a little snippet of the great work that you're doing and where you've been to get to this point. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And until next time.